So this is me, Kira. A little nervous here. This is Kira from Kansas City. I grew up in a very chaotic household. Drug addict parents moving constantly. Chaos is really the only word I can think of it. Kira's father made and sold drugs. He cooked methamphetamines. That's what he did. That's what he knew how to do. He was a biker. He knew all the bike gangs. He knew all the people to be in touch with. He was a part of that world. He went from being a 17-year-old kid and not knowing what to do to dealing drugs and then being too sick to do anything. That was his life that I saw. He had a lab away from the house. He never did it in the house. He tried to keep it away from us like as much as possible, but I mean, he was on it all the time. There was weapons in the car. He had a sawed-off shotgun he carried in the trunk. That was just the lifestyle he knew how to lead. On today's show, we're going to meet Kira and learn about her special connection to a character in the Kingdom Hearts series of games. Welcome to Heavily Pixelated. I'm glad you're here. Heavily Pixelated is a show that attempts to describe all the positive things that games do for us. I'm Scott C. Jones. I'm a writer and poet, and I'm just a huge nerd who's lived in the nerd world since I was a little kid and love every aspect of it and still do a podcast um, about being a nerd called Chaotic Good. Greetings and welcome to Chaotic Good. My name is Kira Burton. Was there a first moment of, of nerdiness? I think that was probably when we got our first Nintendo. It was a Christmas present from our older sister. My mom ruined the surprise and told me about it. Kira's mother told her about the Nintendo, but Kira was too young to realize she had to keep that information secret. My sister came over and she said, guess what I have for you guys? I went to Nintendo because I was six. <laughs> and she's like, damn it, mom. Kira's the youngest of six kids. And her parents, she says, were basically done raising kids by the time they had her. Let's go back to your childhood. You were a smart kid. You were 10 years old and you, are, you describe already being able to read Catcher in the Rye. Mm -hmm. Like, when did you know that you were smart? Uh, I think as soon as I started school, maybe even before. I mean, they were giving me tests right away. Like, this is a smart kid. Let's find out how smart. And I was testing at college level reading as soon as they gave me the test. My mom and dad were blessed with very intelligent children. We were all just very smart kids, and I came from a home where my sisters read to me, and I knew, I mean, I, they read me Watership Down when I was like seven. I was always very much into the little sister role. I took it and embraced it. I was the bratty little sister. I was the tag-along. Because my parents really weren't there, so my siblings raised me. When I think of who raised me, when I think of who taught me what I know, I think of my siblings. And they're really my mother and father figures or my brother and sister. Kira's family, not surprisingly, moved often. Every six months to two years, they'd pack everything up and move on to the next town. And because they moved so often, they never stayed anywhere long enough to grow roots. Kira, as an adult, realizes that she does not have a tangible sense of home. Uh... You know, my dad was just, I don't think he was a bad person. I think he made a lot of choices I wouldn't have made. My dad only had an eighth grade ed education. He ended up getting into drugs, being a drug dealer. 
because I think he thought it was the only way to try to provide us with any kind of life. He came from the school of hard knocks and he just didn't know how to relate to me. He had these three, you know, genius intellect kids and he didn't know what to do with them. He was like, seriously, you know, you're a poet. You want to be a poet when you grow up? I was a little punk rock kid, but I always hung out with like the theater kids and the more nerdy kids. I didn't go the tough punk rock route at all. I was in the theater room and doing plays and, you know, in English class, I was the one who read books all the time out loud and all that kind of stuff. Like nerds were always my people. The parental guidance you needed came from your siblings and, yeah. and, and not just your, your brothers, but also your sisters as well. And your sisters mm -hmm. have a different father. Uh, father. Okay. So your mother is the one consistent link between the whole family. Yeah, okay. she was. But she was a person who had, how, how many kids are we talking about here? She had six herself. She raised nine because she raised three stepchildren. I seriously don't know why she kept having them. I asked her at one point, why would you keep having kids? It doesn't seem like you ever wanted to raise any of us, you know, and I never got an a, a straight answer out of her. I think that part of it was for attention because she was really into attention. And part of it was because she was hoping a kid would turn out like her. That kind of really screwed me over because I was her last chance to have a kid turn out like her. And she was extremely pissed that I was not. She tried to force drugs on me when I was a kid. She, um... What do you mean, like, what kind of drugs? Uh, well, it started when I was really little. When I was, like, two and three, she used to put Dimetap in my bottles to make me go to sleep. Then as I got older and older, it was, oh, Kira, take a Valium. Oh, Kira, you know, take this drug, take this drug. And I'm like, Mom, no, I do not want to take your pills. Are you crazy? Like, I'm 14 years old. What are you doing? Every step of the way, it was me rejecting that. Did your mom have a job? Did she work? She was a nurse. Oh, wow. And she was like, she won awards for being a really good nurse. She was good at her job, but I don't know how because I never saw the woman have an ounce of empathy. I'm like, you seriously go to work and take care of strangers all night and you don't have an ounce of empathy for anybody, any child that lives in your house? Like, how is this a thing that's happening? How is it possible that this is what you do and none of your kids get any of the benefits that you're giving to your patients? and she won awards for it. And she was, a, you know, as far as I know, a good nurse yeah. until she started stealing drugs. She claimed that she cared just as much about us. My mother would always claim up and down that she cared just as much about us, but she never showed it. My mother on a constant basis was trying to get me to feel things with her that weren't real. She was constantly manipulating me against my father, for instance. It's like, he did this, this, and this, like stuff a kid shouldn't know. You know, your dad's a drug dealer and his, his money is blood money. Kira's dad was younger than Kira's mom, but it sounds like he was simpler and more pure of heart too. Kira's mom, on the other hand, her vocation was as a nurse, and so that was part of her identity. That was how she wanted to be viewed by the world, as someone who helped people and was full of love. But Kira's mom, certainly from Kira's point of view, did not have that simplicity and purity that her father had. I never wonder if my mom loved us, because I know she didn't. Like, that's how kind of extreme it is. But... I wonder sometimes if she was capable of having that emotion towards anybody. I, I don't even know that she loved herself. 
she was just sort of a very miserable, very manipulative, very cruel person. I didn't look to my parents for anything. I didn't look to them to learn lessons. I didn't look to them for respect. I didn't look to them for self-esteem. It's not the place I looked. I looked to my siblings, and that's where I found it, and the only place that I found it growing up. How did she want you to be like her? Did she want you to be a nurse like her? Did she want you to she wanted you to do drugs? We talked about that a little bit. She did, and I think that the basis of it is she wanted us to end up, how do I say this, as bitter as she was, is the only way that I can put it. She wanted us to end up, I think, as unhappy as she was, and she wanted us to end up as angry as she was about a lot of things. She wanted somebody to end up like that and feel those things with her. My brother, he always called what my mom did proximity happiness, as in if you're close to her and if you act enough like her and if you do exactly what she wants, she'll let you have some measure of happiness. But if you're not willing to do that, you'll never get it from her. Your mom is dead now. Yes, she is. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I'm not, but thank you. Okay. All right. I'm rescinding my apology for being sorry about that. It was a shock that she died before my dad. We all assumed since he had been sick for so long that he was going to die first. Like, that sounds morbid, but it's just how it was. Kira's father, because he was a diabetic and because of the damage that methamphetamines had done to his body, everyone assumed, including him, that he would be the one to die first. And so when my mom passed away, it was a surprise. None of us really saw it coming, especially my dad didn't see it coming. He always thought he was going to go first. When my mom died, there was speculation from my sibling that she had committed suicide. I personally don't think she did. I think it was an accidental overdose. Because I, I just don't think she cared. I, I always call it passive suicide. Like, I don't think she actively you know, had the intention of dying by suicide. But I think she absolutely did nothing to fight against, you know, nothing to stay alive, nothing to put herself in a position to live. I had trouble mourning her when she died because to me, she was already so gone. And I had done my mourning when I was about 15 because I was like, I'm never going to have the mother that I expected to have. I'm never going to have the mother that I wanted. Everybody wants a mom. That's just the truth of it. You know, everybody wants a mom, and I just didn't get to have one, not in the real sense of the word, not one that cared, not one that loved me. When she passed away when I was 23, it was just kind of like, okay. Mothers are very powerful, strange creatures. I remember once back when I lived in, in New York City, I had an argument over the phone with my mother and I I told her a lot of truths that I had been keeping to myself for a long, long time. And it was cathartic. I listened to my mother cry, but uh, I stayed strong. I held my ground and I was proud of myself for being able to do that. We hung up and as soon as I hung up, it just seemed like the sky outside instantly became dark. Then there was a flash of lightning and a deep rumble of thunder that I could feel in my knees. And I thought somewhat playfully at the time that my mother was coming to strike me down, that she was coming to destroy me. And I felt genuinely afraid. I feel like there's, even as an adult, there's still part of you that's always kind of looking for that love. I think as I get older, it gets easier to not look for necessarily like parental love, but I definitely look for love from my family. 
When she died, it was like a true relief to me because it was like, I can have a family now. I can build these bridges with my siblings and the people that I have left. That's where my gaming came into it quite a bit. When her mom died, Kira was married. She'd gotten married when she was very young. I was still married to my ex-husband at the time, and we were in a store, and um, he saw. I saw a video game, and I was like, I want that. Kira was pointing at a copy of Kingdom Hearts. And he's like, that silly little video, Disney video game, Kira, really? Like, you play RPGs, you want a silly little Disney video game? And I'm like, yeah, I want the silly little Disney video game, I'll have you know. This is why you're divorced. Yeah, this is why we're divorced. <laughs> I got it. Kingdom Hearts was filled with Disney characters and Final Fantasy characters. And even my ex-husband was like, this game is amazing. I think part of it, me growing up and not wanting that parental love anymore, partially came from Kingdom Hearts from 358 Days because there's a character in it named Roxas. Roxas wasn't supposed to exist. That's his whole... His whole reason for being is very confusing and you only really know it if you've played the series. It, it only makes sense if you play the series. Really anything in Kingdom Hearts only makes sense if you played it. But Roxas wasn't supposed to exist and I related to that character instantly. Roxas, do you remember your true name? Say no more, Naminé. But if no one tells him, Roxas will... It's best he doesn't know the truth. Sora was great, Riku was great, all the other characters, Kyrie was great, but when I met Roxas, I was like, this, this is the character for me, this is the one I loved. He just fits so perfectly into the way that I felt about everything. I don't know myself at all. I guess I would like to know. What do you know about me that I don't? You... You were never supposed to exist, Roxas. What? How could you even say such a thing? Even if it were true? Up until that point... I'm sorry. I guess I'm... I wanted to love desperately. I wanted to love my siblings. I wanted to love my friends. I wanted to love my husband. But I didn't realize until... That year, that year of being 23, I had just gotten divorced. I was just about to start college and my mom dies. And then I realized because I couldn't meet my siblings in their grief because I felt none of it, they were sad. And I was just like, I don't, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer this situation whatsoever. I don't, I don't have anything. I'm sorry, you guys. As much as I tried, I really realized that I wasn't putting my heart into loving anybody. I think I've been running away from the question I really want to ask. What's going to happen to me now? Just tell me that. I want to know. I have the right to know. A nobody doesn't have a right to know. Nor does it even have the right to be. But what is a nobody? Fizz, we're out of time. Too many nobodies. Nobody's like us are only half a person. You won't disappear. You'll be whole. 
And the thing about Roxas's character is that he doesn't have a heart. He's a he's a nobody. They don't have hearts. He wasn't supposed to exist. And he continues to love as hard as he can through that whole game and continues to exist as hard as he can, even though he wasn't supposed to. And that's just, I'd never seen a character who intentionally wasn't supposed to exist before. And that brought out so much of what I felt and so much of how it was growing up for me. What will happen to Roxas? He holds half of Sora's power within him. In the end, he'll have to give it back. Poor thing. It's the fate of a nobody. That I was not made in the image of my mother and therefore shouldn't have been. And this character brought that home for me. It made a huge difference in my life and how I felt about how I was going to love people and how much of myself I was going to offer to people. Because up until that point, I was just under the impression that everybody left. Everybody stopped loving you eventually and everybody left. That's That was my whole childhood. So I thought people just come into your life and people leave and that's just the way it is. And you don't really have to love them. It's not that big of a deal. But playing that game really opened my eyes to the fact that you can love as hard as you want to and exist as much as you want to and as hard as you want to. And it can be a beautiful thing even if it's painful. I hate you so much. You should share some of that hatred with Sora. He's far too nice for his own good. No! My heart belongs to me! And I was getting to the point where I was willing to open myself up. And that made a big difference in the, like, the wanting of parental love because I just didn't need it as much anymore when I was willing to love other people in a way that was completely different and completely new to me and a lot harder and a lot more intense. I no longer sought the approval that I was never going to get from my dead parents. I no longer sought that because I was willing to love people on an entirely new level. Roxas, are you really sure that you don't have a heart? Is it possible that we all have one? Or is that just wishful thinking? If there is something in there, inside us, then we'd feel it, wouldn't we? Man, I miss the old times. Still got it memorized. The day we met, and you got your new name, you and I sat right here and watched the sunset. Yeah. This place is home. It, it was a struggle. I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't. I went through extremely hard times with it and times when I felt like I didn't deserve to exist, especially as a teenager. I got diagnosed bipolar when I was 15. I also now had this disorder to deal with along with feeling like I shouldn't exist. There were times in my depressive states when I definitely felt like I didn't belong in this world. But I did still fight it every step of the way because I was never a big believer in fate or destiny. And I was like, this isn't going to be mine. This doesn't have to be mine. This isn't going to be mine. I will fight it every step of the way. I'm not going to end up like them. This isn't going to be my world. It's not going to last forever. At some point, I will get out of it and it will be different. And I was determined to make a different life than what I grew up with. Rox's character is just the same way. He is determined and he finally sort of 
you know, sort of gives in to fate. Yes, he could feel Sora. Oh, he told you how he felt today. Ridiculous. And nobody cannot feel anything. But I think that I also had to do that myself. I had to give in to the fact that my parents weren't great people. I didn't learn a lot from them. I came from a rough background. But it didn't mean I couldn't love and it didn't mean I couldn't change as a person. But I had to give in to that part. I had to give in to the part of me that was like my parents. I had to give in to that to get over it to be able to move on. That's the hard part as you age and you go through trauma in your life. Personally speaking, and we'll cut this out, but I feel like I'm really just being born and I'm almost 50. That moment of realizing that you're alive and that you're making choices for yourself, choices that are good and healthy and you're participating in life and you're going to love and you're going to have this determination. You could have also just started using drugs yourself and faded away. You could have, like, that's another choice. The fact that you chose to keep swimming, even though the current was strong and pulling you in other directions, that's so amazing. Well, I mean, thank you, but it, it wasn't, I was just really stubborn. You know, I said to my siblings when I was trying to sort of get us back together as a family, I said, Mom took so much from us. She's not taking this, not from me. She's not going to take you guys from me. I will do everything I can, everything in my power to be able to have a family with you guys. And my siblings all know that now. They all, I've said that straight up to them. You know, she took everything she could from us and I'm not willing to give you guys up as a part of it. I'm just not willing to. That was a big turning point for me. I always thought nobodies were doomed to fade back into darkness. Yeah, but you and I did it. We got to meet our original selves. So, we can be together again. Right. Anytime Sora and Kyrie are together. We'll be together every day. Right, Sora? Uh, you now, yeah. right after I got divorced and right after her death, it was a huge turning point because... I realized that, you know, I could fade away like she did. It would have been easy. It would have been the easy choice to just fade away. And that's not what I was willing to do. Look sharp. Learning to love, especially growing up in the, with the, the family you had, that's, that's the goal, right? Yeah. You got to love yourself and you got to learn how to love other people. I think that everybody has to make their choice to heal. You have to make a choice to make things better and a choice to heal. You have to be willing to do the work. You have to be willing to, you know, go to therapy or whatever you need to do and take care of yourself. Kara frequents the convention circuit. She attends as many as she can. It's just a great experience to be around a whole bunch of nerds. That is one place I do feel at home. I will say that. If there is a home, my home is with the other nerds. It's so funny you say that because as soon as I got in the video game business, I felt like I had this great sense, this tremendous sense of relief that I had, in a way, not to oversimplify it, but I finally found my tribe. Yeah, I felt, I felt exactly the same way, like especially when I started going out and selling books and stuff like that, and I got to be able to have those interactions where I was like, oh, here's a piece of my work. Would you like to see it? And they're like, this is a neat piece of work. Like, you know? 
We've all felt like outcasts. We all have a certain bond over the fact that we were sort of a marginalized group for a long time. We all have a certain bond that we're expressing ourselves in a way that maybe not everybody understands. Your story is is a grand story. And there, like, there's just a tremendous amount of, of terrible things that you've endured, and you're still here. You, you're still loving yourself. You're still learning how to love other people. And you're making this podcast, which is an amazing achievement. Everyone needs to be able to forgive themselves for their past and forgive themselves for the things that they aren't proud that they did. They need to be able to believe that there's a reason and a positive reason why they exist. And if there isn't a positive reason why they exist, then they can make one. You know, we're handed a certain amount of things in life, we're, we're, we're dealt a certain set of cards, but you learn to go beyond that. And that's what Roxas did, and that's really where I wanted to get to. A lot of the reason why I did it was because I'd been immersed in the world of being a nerd for so long and read all these stories and heard all these stories and saw all these characters develop into such amazing people, and I wasn't going to let my story end badly. You know, as a writer, that probably sounds kind of cheesy, but it's true. I wasn't going to let my story end badly. I decided to start forgiving the people around me and eventually being able to forgive myself. It is the harder road, but it's so much more worth it. When, when I was 23, when my mom died and I was starting college that whole era, I had also started dating this guy after my divorce and he decided while I was gone taking care of my dad after my mom died to end our relationship which bad timing on his part. Mm -hmm. We were still friends and we still talked all the time. And there was a certain point where I just said, you know what, I forgive you. And he got really mad at me. And he said, I didn't ask for your forgiveness. And I said, I don't care, you have it anyway. And that was the beginning of me really taking that higher path of me being able to forgive myself, my siblings, you know, all the people in my life that mattered to me. And that guy that broke up with me when my mom died is my fiance now. So 13 years later, here we are still together. With those stories, like the stories in Kingdom Hearts where you're turning around and every turn you take, the villain wasn't actually the villain. You know, these complex stories are so much more about what life is about and what life is actually like. I don't let anybody off the hook, but I'm totally willing to forgive any time that it needs to be because it's just a better life. I'm happier doing it. And it took me a long time to get there, but it's absolutely worth it. It's not always gonna turn out for the best. It's not always gonna be what you want, but if you're trying, you're doing something right. You gotta at least try. I'm still trying every day. Roxas, he just says, screw it. You know what? Even if I wasn't supposed to exist, even if I have a limited amount of time that I'm going to be here, I'm going to love as hard as I can. And I'm going to do whatever I can to be able to love and stay here for as long as I can. And he fights, you know, for that. He fights for every ounce of his existence and every ounce of love that he gets to give. I was such a screwed up kid. And to be able to see a kid fight as hard as all the kids in the Kingdom Hearts games fought... That's important for me to be able to heal the kid inside of me. And it really brought up the child in me and let me heal her, which was a very hard thing to do, considering everything that I went through. 
because there was no other way I was going to be able to do it. 13 years of therapy didn't do it, but somehow a video game did. Just keep going, like everybody. You know, that's what you have to do, is just to be able to keep going. I love being a nerd because we have the best stories. We really do. We have the best stories. Hello? I'm so happy to hear your voice. This is actor Quentin Flynn. Quentin plays a couple of different characters in the Kingdom Hearts series, including Axel and Lee. I'm, uh, oh my I'm god, bit... I'm so excited right now. Yeah, <laughs> on, on the other line is uh, is Kira. Kira, introduce yourself. Hi, Ki- hi, Quentin. I'm Kira. Hi, Kira. How are you? Oh my god, you sound like Axel. I didn't mean to like. <laughs> I'm so excited, but you actually sound like Axel. I'm so excited right now. Uh, I know you don't have a lot of time. You know, I know you're both busy. So I'm just gonna let Kira tell you a little bit of her story, and then you two can talk for a few minutes. Kira, whenever you're ready, this is this is for you. Okay. Well, Quentin, I just want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, you know, Kingdom Hearts has been a huge influence on me for so many years, and. You know, Roxas is so close to my heart, but he was close to Axel's heart first. So I don't mean to start crying immediately, but um, he is just a very special character to me. And the way that Axel was so pivotal in showing that, you know, with friendship and humanity and loyalty, that you can not only change and keep your humanity, that you can take someone else with you was so impressive to me and just heartbreakingly beautiful to me. But those games mean everything to me. And they're principles that I've lived my life with without realizing it until I saw it through the eyes of those characters. Well, that's beautiful. I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm, like, ready to openly weep because he sounds like I'm so <laughs> Kira, pull yourself together. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can change I'm you know, you'd rather hear it differently than I can do this if you like. Yes, now, you're, yeah. now you're just showing off, Quentin. Uh, <laughs> that's what you like. That's what you call it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited right now. Quentin, do you have do you have memories of working on uh, Kingdom Hearts? Well, yeah. I mean, I the whole uh, journey has been uh, incredible, really. Uh, I had no idea when we started that it would make such an impact on, um, uh, you know, gamers and fans and players all around the world. Uh, you know, I never mind starting in the U.S. I, I had no idea it would be a global phenomenon and that my character would go through such a journey. I think he, you know, he experienced uh, every possible range of emotion or emotion in the in the emotional range that anyone could. You know, even get, getting to play the younger uh, Lee as well, this was just perfect for me. I you really did it. such a beautiful job. Well, thank you. Yeah, I just, I love what he went through. I mean, he went through everything that people go through. And when something was odd or weird, you know, he, he'd call it out. Uh, kind of Axel really was an intensely honest character. I love that about him. Yeah. I would say that he would say what, you know, many viewers or players would be thinking. He, especially he did. Especially the most recent edition where he broke the fourth wall, and, you know. People would be changing his name and he would just, you know, shrug or kind of sigh. And, <laughs> but definitely he was, I think, on the right side of everything. 
He was. And that's, that's the best part like of Axel is that he, because of that friendship and loyalty that he sticks through it and becomes, finds his human side again. And I can't explain to you like how much this game has meant to me through for so many years. Like, just thank yeah. you for being a part of that. And thank you for letting me experience that through the eyes of your characters. And just oh, thank you so much. Thank you. No, I'm honored. And as Axel would say, I'm so honored. <laughs> you know, we all have uh, our ups and downs. And I think that's the nice thing about Axel, where everybody can relate to that. When people, and I, I've heard from a lot of folks uh, who, who've had hard times and struggles that Axel's been someone to go to for them. And the game uh, and the journey through Kingdom Hearts has been something that has helped a lot of folks in life during downtimes kind of get through it. Absolutely, yeah. like 100%. Like Kingdom Hearts has helped me get through so much. Oh, I'm so glad. And how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited to be talking to you. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, wh where are you? Where are you calling in from? I'm in Missouri near Kansas City. Oh, great. Yeah, I, I was there some years ago. It's been a long time. I like it. Yeah, there was a song from the musical Oklahoma. Everything's up for grabs in Kansas City. All <laughs> <laughs> Go. Axel has probably had the longest journey of, of the bunch, you know, followed closely by Raiden and Reno. Of course, the fans see a connection between Reno and Axel. Yeah. And, uh, that's cool, too. He was in Crisis Core, so he's responsible for, like, two of the video games that made me cry the most. Oh, is that right? Oh, oh God, wow. Crisis Core killed me. Like, I cried, like, I never, I played it once, and I put it down, and I was like, never again. I cried so hard. <laughs> what was it? What was it that uh, stirred that up for you? Zach. Oh, my God, it was just so heartbreaking. Like, everything he went through, and then to just die. Like, it's just kind of the same thing as Roxas, you know? Just you know, be erased like that and to just turn into a different person. Yeah, it, it's heartbreaking. Zach's story is heartbreaking. When I saw him again in Kingdom Hearts, I was like, why are you doing this to us, guys? You can't put Zach someplace else. Like, I was so sad. I, I thought the same thing when, when that happened when we were recording. I thought, oh, come on, you can't do this. <laughs> there has to be more than this. And, of course, there was and there is. I don't want to ruin Kingdom Hearts 3 for anybody, but seeing the trios get back together was probably the most fabulous thing. That's all I wanted out of Kingdom Hearts 3 is I wanted Roxas to come back and see Lee and see Xion. Can you pretty please just say got it memorized for me? Got it memorized, Kira? <laughs> I'm going to be smiling for the rest of the day. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Thank you, Quentin. Thank you so much. Ah, you're welcome, dear. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Follow your bliss. Keep it uh, simple. Take it a moment at a time, sometimes a day at a time. And remember that the furthest distance we have to travel is from our head to our heart. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you that was so uh, sweet. I don't know what to say. Thank you so much. Special thanks to Kira Burton. What a sweet, nerdy soul you are, my friend. You can find out more about Kira and her poetry by going to her website, kiraburton.wordpress.com. And Kira, of course, is the host of the Chaotic Good podcast. You can find Chaotic Good on your favorite podcast listening applications. Thanks also to James Fetzer. James is one of the co-hosts of Chaotic Good and one of the producers of the show. 
James also provided the deluxe studio that Kira and I recorded our conversation in. James Fesser is also an audio producer and sound engineer, and if you are looking for someone to produce audio for you, then search for James Fetzer on the LinkedIn website. Thanks also to Square Enix. Square Enix is the company that produces the Kingdom Hearts series of games. You can find the Kingdom Hearts games in your local video game store, or you can buy them over the internet. I'll put a link to the Square Enix North American store on my website. And, of course, a very big thank you to voice actor Quentin Flynn. Quentin has had an amazing career. I guarantee that Quentin has done one of the voices in one of your most favorite games. You can stay connected with Quentin by following him on Twitter. He is at Quentin Flynn, Q-U-I-N-T-O-N-F-L-Y-N-N. The Patreon is doing great, thanks to you fine people. Special shout out to Zach Dawes. Thank you, Zach, for becoming part of uh, what we're doing here. It means a lot to us. And if you'd like to do what Zach did, go to patreon.com backslash heavily pixelated. Music tracks in today's episode include Upbeat by John Luke Heffernan, Piscataqui Blues by River Foxcroft, Under and Ending Sun by Krakatoa, Western Tanager by Chad Crouch, I Will Fool You by Bothnia, and I Heard the Bells on Old Lang Syne by Jordan Gladstone. All tracks can be found on the Free Music Archive, freemusicarchive.org. Thanks, as always, to producer Sarah Deakins and to our technical producer, Stephen Nikolic. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, I'm Scott C. Jones. I'll see you next time. Kira. Yes. You okay? <laughs> that was fantastic. Thank you yeah. so much. Yes, I'm so happy right now. Uh, oh I'm my god, I'm like totally crying. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'll have to, uh, yeah, are you still there? We lost Scott. I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yes, it's over now. No, no, I'm still here. I'm still here. Kira. Hello. 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 Uh.